Hi, this is Isaac Arthur. Welcome to the show and don't forget to check out this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters. To get access and help support the show while hearing every episode early and ad free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash Isaac Arthur and use my code Isaac Arthur. This video is sponsored by CuriosityStream. Get access to my streaming video service, Nebula, when you sign up for CuriosityStream using the link in the description. Getting rid of our trash safely and ecologically is going to be quite a challenge in the future, but they do say one man's garbage is another man's treasure. We recently got done with an episode discussing potential options for climate change mitigation, and some of those solutions along with thinking on environmental concerns reminded me that when I was a kid there was often a lot of news about bulges full of garbage wandering around the coastline looking for places to deposit their unwelcome cargo. Folks often worried about where we might put all our garbage as landfills got filled. So I thought we'd take some time today to look at the smellier side of the future, which is getting rid of our trash, as well as what some of our waste might be in the future. We'll also address some of the misconceptions or dubious notions that have been suggested over the years, and we might as well start with the landfill issue. Americans have a reputation as being the biggest producers of trash per individual, which is a debatable statement but we do generate about a ton of waste per person per year and we'll estimate that as a cubic meter a person and say a future and slightly more prosperous world of about modern population might generate 10 billion cubic meters of garbage a year. That's rather rounded up but helps highlight both how much garbage we might produce and how that's not actually a very big number. If you stack that in one big square, 10 kilometers on a side, it would be about 100 meters tall. That seems big but even if we piled it up for a whole century, would only result in a single decently sized mountain, of which we have around a million on Earth. Indeed we have around 500 million square kilometers of surface area, so that mountain full of a century of garbage wouldn't even take up a millionth of the planet's surface area. Finding space for landfills is about keeping the transport costs low, finding some place near your garbage producing areas willing to host a landfill and making sure it's nicely secured against dangerous leakage, it's not a space issue. We've also got the common suggestion we should dump all our waste in the sun, which is a pretty bad idea. It takes a ridiculous amount of energy to get stuff into space and more to get out of Earth's gravitational field, it would be energy cheaper to tear the stuff down to the atomic level and centrifuge it into raw materials you could reuse, with the added benefit of having those materials still rather than losing them into the sun. Of course as we've noted in our Starlifting episode, you can mine a star, but it's rather backwards to dump material into one for later extraction. This is more effective incidentally if you're dumping it into black holes, since you can reap huge amounts of power by throwing the materials down there, where they obviously are safe from leaking harmful materials elsewhere, and they eventually give you all the object's mass energy back, but even then recycling matter is probably much preferable. To be fair, this suggestion is usually in regard to nuclear waste, but the same still applies, you could separate that material down into just the radioactive isotopes and safe material, then use both again. Radioactive waste is mostly useless because it isn't radioactive enough to be good for power generation, but too radioactive to be left lying around. That's all very energy intensive too, which is part of the problem. We aren't exactly lavishly supplied with cheap and abundant energy, especially energy that comes without other environmental and economic problems. One nice option might be dumping garbage down volcanoes, which might also be a nice place to mine, see our episode Accessing Earth's Core but isn't really ideal either, especially as one of the big costs on waste is transport anyway, and we don't exactly have volcanoes evenly and frequently distributed across Earth's surface, 
Even if we made artificial ones, moho mines, it's not the sort of thing you'd want close to a city, which of course is where a lot of our trash comes from. Ultimately though, we always come back to the notion that one man's garbage is another man's treasure and the general idea of recycling. That will be even more important in space, where you need to recycle at high efficiency everything, including your air and water. This need to efficiently recycle is especially the case on interstellar spaceships. We've discussed the difficulty of keeping people, cultures, ecologies, and equipment running for centuries on board an interstellar generation ship before, but one big restraint we tend to bypass a lot in discussion is that your ship will be prone to leaking and that a recycling process tends to have losses. If you're losing 1% of your current mass every year to recycling and leakage, small as that sounds, it means in 70 years you'd be missing half your mass. We'll come back to space in the more distant future in a bit. How about the near future though, what technologies might come into play? Well, first is automation, an automated garbage truck eliminates much of the cost of transport and also means you can get away with multiple pickups of different types of trash to facilitate recycling efforts, but that still has the problem of requiring people put in effort to separate their garbage, and it really only takes a small minority not doing this right to cause problems with that. At a recycling facility someone needs to monitor the trash and often separate it manually, not a pleasant job and not a cheap process either. You've probably heard that many types of recycling aren't worth it and cost more money and effort than disposing the stuff and harvesting new raw material would take, and for some things that is true. Improvements in how much energy is used for recycling, or other things like how much water is used, can alter this. Many plastics aren't recycled simply from the large amount of energy needed for the task, and if that can be improved, or energy made much cheaper, the dynamic changes. We have begun to see some major improvements in plastic recycling in the last decade too. Now a quick note, one could argue that what we call recycling is actually rapid recycling. Any plastic will break down a landfill given time and we can speed it up with various treatment or disposal methods. As mentioned at the beginning, we've no shortage of space for that. One might think simply throwing energy at the problem if we had an abundance of it might be a good idea. However, if you can grow your feedstock for plastics using less overall energy and resources than by recycling, that would be the better path. The same applies with wood for instance. It seems wrong somehow to dump such materials in a landfill to decay while growing a forest or field to use as feedstock for paper or bioplastics, but in some cases that might turn out the more efficient path. For the moment at least we receive a huge free bonus of sunlight to power such processes, and in some cases it may be more economical and environmental to toss in a landfill and harvest new stock. One could think of this as slow recycling if it's more appealing, since those landfills can eventually be reused, and all the sooner if you're sorting and disposing safely and strategically. Of course a lot of recycling isn't economical right now simply because of the manpower needed to do that sorting, and as mentioned a moment ago, collecting and separating trash is neither a cheap nor pleasant job. However, we're getting a lot better with robots and identification algorithms, for all the jokes about AI that will see pictures of cats and identify them as dogs. If your recycling facility has the detection gear and robotics to sort your trash automatically and at high speed, suddenly becomes much easier and cheaper to recycle by type. Even just a capacity to recognize logos or imprints that tell you something is a soda can or paper coffee cup helps quite a lot, and we've seen that developed in the last few years by folks like AMP Robotics and the Clark Robot. Many things which aren't economical currently can suddenly become very economical with even minor improvements of technology and automation might make recycling outright profitable, which for many things it is not, or is at best marginal. 
Ideally, we'd like our trash collection and disposition to run at no cost at all. Right now it does, you end up paying up front or with taxes to get garbage removed, but if you get good enough at recycling you might have a setup where those fees are minimal or even negative. If one person's trash becomes another person's treasure, suddenly you get calls from trash companies offering you bids to pick yours up for payment to you, not the other way around. Similarly, automation is handy on the safety and enforcement end too. With good automation, trash could be identified and documented on pickup or at the facility and a fine or surcharge issued to anyone who had improperly disposed of something, which might discourage bad disposal habits. If the method was able to be miniaturized and made cheaper down the road, you might get drones emptying your garbage at home and sorting into bins and calling for a pickup of the stuff when a given bin was full. I don't think most of us would object to being able to just toss garbage into a trash can in any given room and not have to deal with it personally anymore, it all gets sorted and handled far more efficiently and economically and environmentally. That's another type of waste of course, time, our most valuable commodity, and in more ways than we tend to think too. Humans aren't terribly efficient machines and we use a rather specialized and inefficient fuel source in the form of our agriculture. People do need exercise of course, but you're often going to be more efficient letting machines do the work particularly if it's an activity people don't enjoy like picking up trash from the roadside, something I suspect will be relegated to drones in the next couple decades. Quite a lot of area beautification is likely to be automated before long and opens up the door to helping out on things like lawn waste and many other secondary wastes like runoff of water and soil and fertilizer and less healthy things that often get into them. A pretty big portion of garbage and waste is essentially excess. The last couple bites or bits of some piece of food or product or things that spoiled or got overused, and that's where smarter technology can help a lot too. We often have standardized products in the name of efficiency, but better and smarter production can often circumvent that. Garbage never generated is garbage you don't have to deal with and resources that never have to be produced. If for instance your smartphone has been tracking your eating preferences and medical data and you walk into a restaurant, It could relay to that robot doing the cooking that now knows exactly how big a sandwich and how big a soda you want. Smart technology is practically synonymous with efficient technology, and the more of it that is in play, the less waste and garbage you're generating pretty much across the board in a thousand tiny little ways. Robots are of course handy but biotechnology might play a big role in garbage disposal too, organisms altered to serve as natural dumpsters and recyclers might be very handy. We've had fairly good luck using certain plants and organisms to clean up toxic sites and may be able to expand on that to make tailored organisms that could take shredded garbage and break it down into components for reuse, not simply organic and biodegradable materials but potentially even metals, glass, plastics, and ceramics. Though I'll add as a caveat that gene splicing some microorganism to be able to digest those could get problematic if it got loose and started digesting our buildings. Mord is already a bad enough problem with wooden buildings without having some version of it that ate glass and steel. There are a lot of strategies for avoiding such problems though, and even if we limit it to organics, being able to get those removed and other materials sorted for machine recycling would be advantageous. How about the more distant future though? Up in space we'll need to be quite good at recycling, and you can't dump your trash wherever you please anyway, since a ship is usually in motion and a soda can tossed out the airlock of an interplanetary ship is moving fast enough to basically be a grenade if it ever runs into anything. Space debris is a real issue and will only be a bigger one as we start developing an orbital infrastructure. 
Indeed, it was one of the bigger topics in our episode on orbital infrastructure a few years back, and we addressed it more in Megastructure Maintenance and Space Channels and the Space Dalex and Trash Worlds episodes. One thing about most futuristic economies is they do have energy abundance, especially for things like producing simple heat, since it's surpassingly cheap and easy to build a large solar kiln in space. It's not terribly efficient to recycle by raw heat and centrifuge, simply breaking everything down to the atomic level, but it gets the job done. This does raise another aspect of recycling though, which is reuse. We don't really want to smash stuff up if we don't have to, certainly not to the atomic level. You're recycling your coffee mug whenever you wash it, you don't need to crush it. Water and detergent aren't free but they are cheaper than rebuilding a ceramic mug from scratch. And for that matter, most of us prefer our coffee in such a mug, not a paper cup, even if just because it holds heat better. However, in an increasingly computerized and miniaturized society, we have tiny little components that are at once very valuable and very fragile and very prone to obsolescence, all three. It's a truism that our ancestors tended to use every part of an animal and repair everything or sell it or gift it to another after using it, hand-me-downs to younger siblings or kids or even grandkids, while we tend to be prone to disposal. But it's very hard to recycle a lot of modern technology for more than its scrap material, because it is fragile micro-components, because those can't be easily repurposed, and because they are often antiques after a few years. Most households get collections of broken or outdated electronic junk. It's quite probable that in the future a lot of electronic technology will plateau and that lots of smart and small robots might be able to carefully harvest and repair components, either keeping a device running or cannibalizing those components without having to strip them down to the raw elements. This brings us to our last type of garbage for discussion, and that is heat and entropy. Show regulars know that in a futuristic context, everything you do produces heat and heat disposal tends to be your ultimate bottleneck on civilizations. You can have all the energy abundance you want, but you can't use that energy faster than you can radiate it away or you'll roast yourself in the heat buildup. It would be nice to be able to recycle heat, it is energy after all, but this is forbidden by the laws of thermodynamics. We can use large pockets of concentrated heat, things at high temperature, in conjunction with reservoirs of lower heat to produce energy we can use, but only to a point. Entropy wins out and slowly reduces everything to a homogeneous soup of material of the same temperature that you can't extract more energy from. This is anticipated to be the eventual cause of the end of the Universe, the heat death, essentially us drowning in our own entropic waste and garbage and postponing or preventing this is likely to be the ultimate goal of recycling, true 100% efficiency, that any advanced civilization will focus its efforts for. See our episode Postponing the Heat Death of the Universe for details. That though is the final key notion, recycling is all about efficiency and garbage is the antithesis of that. Your ideal process, economically and environmentally, is one in which the minimum trash is produced and the minimum energy needed to reuse it productively. Efficiency is always about eliminating waste as much as possible, so in our ideal case, when asking what the future of garbage is, the answer is that it wouldn't have one, that we won't have any garbage at all. We were talking today about how we might be able to use advanced computation and artificial intelligence to help us find solutions to our waste and environmental concerns. But of course it might turn out that artificial intelligence, while it might solve many problems, may represent a far bigger problem itself, where the cure is worse than the disease, or is perceived to be. 
Whether we abandon such research or survive some sort of machine rebellion, humanity might find itself trying to continue afterward, and we'll be exploring that in our new episode, After AI, which is out now on Nebula. Nebula, our new subscription streaming service, was made as a way for education-focused independent creators to try out new content that might not work too well on YouTube, where algorithms might not be too kind to some topics or demonetize certain ones entirely, or just don't fit into our usual content. And if you'd like to get free access to it, it does come as a free bonus with a subscription to Curiosity Stream, which also has thousands of amazing documentaries you can watch, on top of Nebula-exclusive content from myself, like our Nebula-exclusive series, Coexistence with Aliens, and many other excellent works by creators like CGP Grey, Minute Physics, and Wendover. A year of Curiosity Stream is just $19.99, and it gets you access to thousands of documentaries, as well as complimentary access to Nebula, for as long as you're a subscriber and use the link in the episode's description, curiositystream.com slash We were speaking about how humanity might survive after abandoning artificial intelligence, and one way we might do that is through genetic or cybernetic enhancement, which might produce a rather wildly diverging species of humanity, or even a new species. It is a popular notion in science fiction, and many authors have tried to show just how divergent many worlds separated by many light years can get when you have a lot of evolution, mutation, and cybernetics in play, albeit not with much scientific accuracy. And this Thursday we'll be taking a more scientific look at how civilizations might begin to diverge genetically from each other out on distant colony worlds, and even back here in the solar system, in genetic divergence and civilization. I will be getting married this coming weekend right after that episode, but the show will still be coming out on Thursday as I got the episodes for our honeymoon done in advance, so we'll close April out with another pathway future humanity might follow with a look at life as a digital being. However, we will not have our usual end of the month livestream for April, and we'll do our next one at the end of May from our new SFIA studio. For loss when those and other episodes come out, make sure to subscribe to the channel. And if you'd like to support future episodes, you can donate to us at Patreon or our website, IsaacArthur.net, linked in the episode description. I'll also throw in a link for Sayonai's wedding registry too for those so inclined. Until then, thanks for watching, and have a great week.